Welcome to this week's Radio Oedipus podcast. The term institution can be somewhat of an overused term, but when talking about de beer coning, it is the only word that seems to fit. De beer coning has been Amsterdam's one-stop shop for good beer for the last 36 years. Located in the heart of the city on the Palistrat, right next to the Dam Square, in amongst the old squatters district, and now neighbouring one of the busiest areas for tourists and commercial shoppers. Its owner, Jos, has seen it all. Jos joins us on today's show with Kevin, the store manager, and the future of the beer coning. We've asked Jos to summarise his 36 years at the beer coning in three beers. All that on this week's Radio Oedipus podcast. First of all, welcome Jos and welcome Kevin. It's good to have you in the studio. You walk into the beer coning and it's beers from all over the world, but it de- definitely didn't start like that. What was the start of the beer coning like, Jos? Well, we're talking about 1985. Uh-huh. It's always difficult to find the moment to start this story. I used to work on the flea market. At night, I went around with my buckfeets um, along the streets in Amsterdam. I picked up nice stuff. And uh, in the morning, I went to the flea market the Waterloopplein, and on Monday morning, uh, the, the Noordermarkt. And there I sold my stuff. First I had to get a place, a floor place, so nothing uh, special. And I sold my stuff, alles a gulden, or maybe <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> and that's uh, where I got my money from. I hated to go to the Sociale Dienst, I went there as well, but that was really awful. And we are talking about uh, uh, 1980 something, four, three. But somehow in that time, my life changed a bit. Suddenly there was this friend who came to me. I knew a bit about uh, electronical music equipment. Somehow they were going to make the first television broadcast, local broadcast, for Amsterdam. They were going to introduce that. That was going to be introduced on the Firato, which was a, a, a big electronical thing in the in the Rai of Amsterdam. Okay. Which is an uh, exposition. Yeah, a concert venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this guy, this friend of me, he came to me because he was asked to do that, but uh, he had to do something else. And he came to me and he said, Jos, you know a bit about that. Uh, you know how uh, the cables has to be plugged in. Yeah. Uh, can't you do that? Well, I never did anything like that. So anyway, uh, I said yes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of this happened. And uh, I became a sound man uh, for television. And I had to learn very quickly, but actually I was quite good in it. How does a sound man end up opening a beer shop? I'm, yes. I'm very curious for the next step. So, uh, you know, it looked good and I was going to be a sound man for the rest of my life. But I didn't have work every day. But I never made that much money. Yeah. I made 300 gulden a day or something like that. And, uh, wow, you know. So I thought that was my future. But in the meantime, I had another friend... Uh, who used to drive to Belgium now and then. And on the way back, he started to bring beers. Okay. Belgian beers. Here we go. 
Here, Here we, we go. go. It was also the time of squats and all those squats, they had uh, a bar kind of room. Uh, uh, they wanted something alternative, something else than the big brands. So the best they had was this Grols Beugel bottle that was popular. Mm -hmm. But then uh, Christian brought beers from Belgium and he started to go to those places, <coughs> those bars. Mm. And they really loved those Belgian beers. Mm -hmm. And this way uh, it became a bit bigger. And we, we went together to Belgium with, uh, exploring... Um, this beer landscape, beer, yeah, yeah, yeah. beer landscape, yeah, um, and more and more Belgian beers were brought uh, to Holland, and uh, it went bigger and bigger, and it went, uh, it, it it became a little wholesale. On a certain moment, there was this um, uh, evening shop on the first floor of Single Three Hundred, another squad. That's what. That's where the first beers were sold uh, in a shop kind of way. Okay, but in, I was doing. Uh, I was making uh, furore uh, as, as a sound man. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. In the meantime, you just started your new career. Yeah, yeah. I started my new. <laughs> and and Christian, he was a friend of me, and and we thought about starting a beer shop. Okay. But we, I was not going to do that because that would kill our friendship for what, sure. What were you drinking? What beer were you drinking at the time? Did you, yeah, were you were you also one of these people that wanted something a bit more uh, different taste wise? Uh, yeah, or? Uh, all the all the beers that came in, of course, yeah, yeah. we tried them all. And for these, yeah, these were the Florida triples. Uh, these were the the Castars, the um Bon Esperance, the the best mallet triple the, yeah. that was already available in Amsterdam. And what did you think the first time you kind of uh, drank those those yeah, that was bit? quite an experience of course but actually I knew already a bit. Okay, yeah. okay. Cool. I knew already. I knew there was something I believed in it. I knew there was more than just Heineken and etc etc. Mm -hmm. After a year on a certain morning he came to my house. And we went to Café Scheltema in the morning. He ordered a few of whiskeys. <laughs> Great start to the he day. he said, Jos, <laughs> Sets the tone. <laughs> you've got to do it. And then after those whiskeys, I said, yes. Okay. And a few weeks later, the 28th of August, 1985, the shop was opened. Ah, wow. And His the rest current is location. History. On the current location. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, Jos, like I said at the beginning of the show, yes. we asked you to bring uh, three different beers that kind of summarized uh, your 35 years, 36 years at the beer coning. Which is the first beer that you'd like to talk about today? Well, the first beer I brought up was uh, is the, the Zatte from Brouwerij het Ei. Yeah, cool. Um, I brought you one of the, uh, one bottle of the first brew. So this is from 1985, because the brewery opened up a few months later uh, than the beer coning. And um, and we also brought you a fresh sata. The two bottles look very, very different. One is clean. <laughs> one uh, <laughs> one is uh, is really dusty, and, and Kevin's holding the label. It's fallen off because the, the, the glue is completely... Uh, uh, 
disappeared. I hope the beer holds better than the glue. It's also <laughs> in, in, in the old-fashioned 33 centiliter bottle. If you look, the, this isn't like it's still there now, the Belgium 33 centiliter. Yeah, but that's the one we used to have in that time. That's the bottle uh, where all the beer came in, also the lagers. Mm. Later on, it, it became the 30 centiliter bottle. Yeah, uh, the Heineken style, yeah. well, yeah. not the uh, whatever. Bainer. Yeah, yeah, exactly, that one. But I'm, I'm surprised how, how similar the label actually is. It is rectangular, but then twisted. Yeah. Uh, the the ostrich is on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Which egg shape. change, actually, the ostrich. No, huh? mm. no. They uh, made it in the color of the bottle, but... The color ostrich. is the same. Yeah, it is, you know. Yeah. It breathes very much. The modern version breathes everything from... The old label. For sure. Is, is this going to happen, Kevin? Yeah. We're going to open it. So we're actually opening the, oh, the old man. bottle. 35 years old. Let's see what the sound. We, is there still sound? Is there going to be sound? Yeah. Oh, a little bit. <laughs> little, small. So this is more than 35 years old. When was the last time you had one of these? No, no, that's a long time ago. Okay. That's probably 30 mm. years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm. No, no. <laughs> I I've, I have a few of those. The brewery wow. itself, they don't have it. I gave one when they opened the, the new uh, brewery. Then yeah. I gave them one bottle. And then I... Um, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It's almost like a, a barrel-aged imperial stout, if you judge it by the aroma. If I would I mean, be blindfolded. It <laughs> aroma, yeah. Incredible. I, I, yeah. I didn't expect it to be drinkable at all. Well, it, it turned a bit flat, I guess. I, I yeah. would assume there would be a bit more uh, carbonation and a bit more uh, effervescence in the. Uh, I've in heard a little since when I opened yeah, it yeah, up, but for sure. But it's also the the the, the carton taste is already. It's not there anymore. It's no. it's it, it's, it's gone further. Egg. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I really like the aroma. Mm, I, uh, I think there's a lot going on. Typical like triple multi- aroma. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what happened? No, it, the aroma is the best thing about it. It really yeah, just yeah, smells yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. brandy. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like a barley wine, maybe. How to yeah. describe mm. this taste? Mm. Barley wine-ish, yeah, but then yeah. really watery. Yeah, yeah, it's, no. it's it's weird, huh? That no. the, the the it is a bit watery, it really and it's watery. not just the lack of carbonation, but oh. it's the aroma is really strong. Comes in, has quite some flavor, but no then alcohol it's volume. a bit no, no huh? But no. this little sherry thing is also there, huh? definitely, mm. definitely, yeah. But you've you've brought uh, Brauerei Eye beer, yes. and um, maybe you can explain to me what they mean in kind of the the life of uh, the beer koning. How special are they? Well, besides of um, the Arsenal Beer Brouwerij, uh, with their Hertog Jan products, they, yeah, for me, they were the first microbrewery. Mm. Um, In the Netherlands? No, nah, yeah, no, that's In not Amsterdam? true, because the yeah. Arsenal Beer Brouwerij yeah. was already there, La Trappe was already there, the Schaapskooi mm. was you, already you, there. You, it's like you grow up together. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was Amsterdam. Yeah, that's the reason why I brought it. Uh, but it's also uh, a moment in the 80s where a lot of things were going on. You're, you were talking about the, the squatting uh, uh, yeah, environment, well, so, and, mm. uh, and but also the, the artists residing in the city center, but also 
Casper, who founded uh, Brouwerheid Ei, a musician, uh, starting to brew. And, and mm-hmm. It all so, happened. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because a those, lot of things around beer happened at that time. Yeah, those beers sold in, in those squat bars. That, that made uh, uh, this little wholesale, CIZ, made it bigger and that became beer and coal. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and, well, Christian decided to do beer and coal and I decided to do beer coning. And those names, it's not for nothing that they are close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and also the uh, Gollum as well. You could put, I know they started just before you, but yeah. very much a, a, a beer institution, like I said at the start Absolutely. of the show, that is still uh, knocking around today, you know. Really important. And you look at the beer landscape of Amsterdam and the Netherlands now, places like Uripus and, and other breweries, it's maybe very important in the life cycle of Dutch beer, I would say. What What did you find in beer in that time? Or was it something just very common among you and your friends in that whole uh, environment that beers from Belgium? Or was it, was there... What was it in beer that uh, that struck you and made you decide? It wasn't just the whiskey that made you decide to start the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Of course, I believed in beer, and I knew for sure it. Well, I thought it would be so nice to to show this to other people to to make yeah. it available because we didn't have this in Holland. And what were the what were their first customers like? Was there a bit of uh, education they had to go through to start enjoying these new beer styles or? Was it an instant queues outside kind of thing? Was it or? Well, you're in the right area, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also back then, for yeah. for shopping. Yeah. Was the, the Spuistraat already a squatters? It, 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 uh, of course, a lot of squatters as customer, but also all these old men. It, it's been a man, old man. No, not old man. If, old I, I was young, so <laughs> I thought they were old men. They were probably younger than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, 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 yeah. It was always a man. That's also my my. Fir- I always wanted employees. My first employee was female, and that's been so for a long time. I always always wanted a uh, woman um, as employees to make a change. Yes, it was absolutely a man world, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want that. But there were people that were interested in beer. They had, uh, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And you were the first shop in Amsterdam focusing on these on, type on of beers. beers yeah. Yes, and so they found you. And they, they of course, I was uh, talking about those beers and enthusiasts about those beers. But it it was a um, two way thing. The most I learned was from my customers, actually. Guys like um, Derek Walsh, uh, Ron Patterson, who came in. I learned so much about those guys. Yeah. And Derek working at at, at KLM, uh, part of his work was checking planes before they left. He was... um, responsible for that and i mm. whenever i took a plane later on i was hoping it was checked by derek because <laughs> that would be safe you know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 derek we're talking about derek developed a, a system in which you could um put the different beer styles he yeah. split it up first in four ways and then he made it up those those four ways again in more he he tried to do something with mm. that too, and that helped me a lot. Mm. All right, absolutely. But it was mostly so male 
Ja, just ja, ja, guys, nee, somewhat older guys from Amsterdam then? Or also ja, from uh, Amsterdam. And yeah. ah. of course, then later uh, also the tourist, tourists have most always been important. But because you were the first, people came to you and you chatted with a lot of beer people and then you changed information or exchanged yes. information and that way you grow and talk about beer and have fun and yeah, sell beer and people Probably in that you. time I could taste all the beers I had, yeah. which is not possible anymore. I'm trying to do that for you. Yeah, but it's, well. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my questions. You know, when you uh, you're stocking you're stocking the sh the shop, do you try every beer that comes in? No, not every. No, but, no. Yeah, well, it depends. In January, it's quite easy because you don't get a lot of beer in because it's really quiet. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. think that it's wise to do dry January, mm -hmm. which it isn't. But <laughs> I thought uh, they would have learned from last year. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a no, good but idea. You, you, when you got like, uh, for example, you got new brewery and you. Or try two or three beers when you got like for example you got yeah. eight beers in you try two or three beers just to um taste what they're doing and maybe their yeast palette and maybe their 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 mm. way of brewing and uh for example it's, it's always fun to try saison because every brewery does a little bit funky or different with the saison mm -hmm. you try the ipa because then you'll know what's there Mm -hmm. palette IPA wise and maybe a stout or so and then you'll know next time something comes in you can taste it just for fun or to see if it's a really good brew mm. but in that way you have your own kind of internal portfolio of what yeah. a brewery uh, yeah, is well, like if, if if you guys bring out a new beer then most of the time I know which direction it will go some way yeah. except for the money ball then but it's an odd beer for us, yeah. I think yeah exactly yeah, yeah. No, but you know which way you're gonna go, and then um, that that's how you got a, a mental portfolio of beers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And breweries, yeah. And the most fun part of owning a beer shop, I guess, is going to the brewery and being there, tasting new stuff, oh, no, talk, no. chatting with the brewer. That's probably yeah. the, the way you find new beers, and and if a brewery, if you go to Belgium and you talk to a brewery, and he says like, well. Uh, around the corner and just started a new brewery it's it's worth your while to to go around the corner and chat with that brewer and yeah. see what ha he has in stock and what he brewed and that way you will find a new beer maybe before one of the 2000 beer distributors yeah jump on in yeah 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 for sure so should we move on to the second beer what is the uh, second beer you have chosen for us to drink on the show yes it's a beer from Cantillon. Yeah, and why? Because that, that I will never forget, forget that experience um, somewhere in the 80s. Um, I had seen a few breweries already, but they were actually all as clean as a, a laboratory. Uh, oh, yeah? And, and w w yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of them, f very clean, all with those tiles all, all, all everywhere and... The, the Lambeck breweries, they already had a hard time then. So Cantillon was a museum. Yeah. The, you know, it's, it, they hardly sold anything anymore. And, but they still had open days. And I went to one of those open days. And I'll never forget that this brewery full of uh, spider webs opening... Uh, 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 in the roof openings yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like holes uh, in the it, roof yeah. So yeah yeah it's all dusty and totally totally different from any brewery yeah 
Um, and then the beer like a squatter that, that might look a bit more cozy, <laughs> I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and then the, the, the taste of, of those beers, which is also incredible. But back in the days, it wasn't sour popular, beer, yes. you know, mm. Jesus Christ, mm. what's that? Yeah. And then with so, so much taste, this sourness with taste, it's not a nasty sourness. Mm. Cantillon was one of the few Lambic breweries that had the label. We had more, oh, yeah. more brewery, more Lambic, Lambics in, this, in the shop. And in that time, it was uh, chalk uh, on, Stripe, uh, on the bottle, yeah. a white chalk for the Geuze and a red chalk for the Creek. Mm. And, and you could only find out what was what on the cork. Oh, yeah. there it said uh, the brewery or whatever but you said at the time it wasn't popular no what what was it like selling it in the shop for the first time then was it was it also not very popular then or did you have to kind of force it in uh, customers glasses like come on drink this this is uh, you need to have this in your life kind of thing yeah probably yeah. more or less yeah more or less? you had to push it a bit because um, but I wouldn't. I, I I didn't do that with Cantillon because Cantillon is quite heavy yeah. in, in its taste, and we also had Girardin. Okay. And, um, no, I'm not going to say it. Girardin gaat er altijd aan. No, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is more easygoing. It's still a real uh, good quality uh, lambic, and many of uh, their lambic is bought by other brew um, blenders blenders, blenders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was so the, the, for me and I, I still love Girardin that's the, that's mm. one of my favorite beers Girardin Creek or Girardin it's more Geuze. accessible than mm. yeah. Cantillon I pre- although I this is really accessible probably above uh, Cantillon but, oh, yeah. uh, well that doesn't matter and it's also more payable which is not unimportant is there a reason why you uh, selected the Grand Cru Bruxelles the two year old Lambic Uh, no no No? because it's not easy available okay so something else than the Geus or the Creek yeah Yeah. so this is a a special one from them and we need to go to Cantillon again and we get new beers in so this is one of the last bottles of the not Geus not Creek. Yeah, what's special about this this is a Lambic actually so it's not that sour it's more balanced Low carbonation, so mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not like a ghost. So it, it, no young lambic was blended in. So this is only old lambic. Yeah. And I think you get a lot of the the character from the wooden barrels. And really you, wood, yeah. And what mm-hmm. I really like in this beer is once you smell it, I and I close my eyes. I'm in the brewery. You know. Ah, yeah, if yeah, you yeah, walk yeah. in, nice, you eh? smell mm-hmm. this. Oh, if ah. you if you can smell the brewery, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I, yeah, I have that with some German a, beers. I have that uh, oh, yeah. as well. You know, <laughs> and then, uh, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and this is really the the barrels and the oak and the, and the the resin, really the harsh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that 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 sometimes uh, drips from <laughs> certain barrels, and it's really uh, it's really dead for oh, me. This is complicated, huh? Yeah, maybe this also uh, relates or is closer to wine, maybe then. Yeah, and and, and Chardonnay also has has some more bitterness, and yeah. then goes being carbonated has more beer like features. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Sean said this is the beer that that combines. Cider, beer, and wine. So yeah. this is the wing. One thing that that come because it's, it's, it's happily, happily as well. with certain foods, huh? Mm-hmm. 
But you always, so so it did sell in the shop, although you yes, were careful always, in, in selling it to people, it always, mm, always moved and you that, always had a reason to go back to mm, them. Exactly. Yeah. But actually that's for all the beer. You know, it's always... It, <laughs> it was always easy. Yeah. It's, yeah. All the beer was sold. So the selling of beer, is e it was pretty easy and straightforward. Getting hold of it was a very fun... Roman fun, fun romantic fun. Uh, story, plenty of memories and there. The, and this wholesale was there, so yeah. that, that, that that was easy going for a lot of beers. Yeah. So there was always, it was always filled with beers. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it was important to have those special things. And we're, and, and getting getting hold of it, was that always quite organic or did you have to, organic as an, I mean, like uh um, there's a new beer here, so you end up getting it. it. You didn't have to do much research into what beer was new, or or maybe that's something you've had to do recently, uh, Kevin. Well, do you I have guess, to pay attention to the scene a little bit? How how has that kind of gone? I guess back in the days, it was uh, people know how to find you because you're one of the only yeah. Or was it more that way? Shops? People coming into yeah, the beer and, shop and, and finding finding out what uh, what beers do exist and then we had the the magic book of peter krombeck um <laughs> i'm unaware of this yeah. Yeah. this was What's before that? we What's had it? computers yeah okay oh, yeah. Uh, and this wait, was this thick <laughs> computers didn't exist <laughs> full of uh belgian beers yeah and dutch beers benelux i think and with stupid strange index uh, index ways that didn't fit, didn't work. Anyway, but you could find out that um, Hertog Jan Pils was absolutely the same as Dommel's Pils. Oh, yeah. At what point did the German beers start making it into the store? Mm, yeah, good question. I've been thinking about that. It's hard to answer. Somehow I heard about this wholesale shop in Neuss, close to Dusseldorf. And that's probably, I think it's already beginning 90s then. Mm. And I went there uh, and they were specialized, uh, specialized in uh, Bavarian beers. Yeah. So beers, they had the beers from the South. Yeah. And that was great. So I didn't have to drive uh, 700, 800 kilometers. Mm -hmm. I just had to drive to Neuss. But you went searching for the beers back in the days. And later on, because you were the only beer shop, um, they know how to find you. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays it mo goes yeah. through uh, other companies mostly. Yeah. When a brewery starts, then they ask for your opinion, I guess. Um, or at least some do that. They they stop by and like, I brewed this and I brewed that. And can you maybe taste it? And maybe, well, if you're into it, order a crate. But mostly it goes through uh, other companies like Birico. Yeah. And that's how you find uh, new beers. Because on the other hand, a lot of other uh, companies in the Netherlands or other stores in the Netherlands are selling the same beer. So you're actually doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. So you need to uh, get on that horse and go to Belgium or Germany and find newer beers. To kind of stay ahead of the game. Yeah, a little that, bit. that's okay. the only way you can find yeah. new beers. And, and uh, fuck untapped that, that's a big part as well because if you only deal with untapped is is is, um, is rating really high then you're especially only selling New England IPAs and, and stouts and that's yeah and that's it, nothing that, that you you won't find that uh, 
pearl or that that really good saison or a really good lambic or at least uh, a strange lambic or yeah. or something weird uh, because that's that's the only thing everybody's selling because that that's the that's the money maker nowadays so if you want to find something new you need to get on a horse and go to belgium or germany and and search for it and talk to people and and yeah. drink beer with people and talk to more people and find weird places like you did back in the days yeah but yeah but kevin for example as a manager of a beer shop uh how do you balance that because new england ipas they they sell you know they're Modern popular they're the, yeah. they're the they're the they're the hype beers if you want to call them yeah. and they're popular mm -hmm. how how do you balance that between getting beers that you really like and you and yoss really like and selling uh Telling what's hot and what's on trend. How do you find the right balance between that? That's a really hard position, actually, because um, especially with this year going on, um, for example, a year ago, we were a shop that's on a really touristy location. So you need to keep in mind that you got like, well, back in the days, we thought 50% uh, tourist. Mm -hmm. And if you keep in mind that everybody's speaking Dutch, you don't count them as too rich, too mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But on the other hand, everybody who's visiting Amsterdam is also stopping by sp uh, speaking Dutch. So that's too rich in a way as well. So you need to keep in mind that you want to have the Amsterdam section uh, filled. Then uh, you need to keep in mind that you got the, the, the uh, beery people, like the, the Lambic fanatics and the, for example, Sander, uh, Jan, you've had on the show, and those the kind of guys who are really lo looking for that. Something that, specific, yeah. Yeah, and then you got you got to the, keep them happy. You'll, well, yeah. yeah, but that, that's the beer we drink ourselves as well. Yeah, but you need to think of the the customers' end, of course. Yeah. Then you got the the people who are coming in for uh, the New England IPAs, the stouts, and uh, everything that goes over four on untapped. Yeah. And then you got the people who are coming in, like living around the corner. I want uh, a triple or yeah. Duvel. And so you got four people to keep happy. Yeah. And you want to be the shop that has a lot on the shelf as well. And not in the way like like having 24 on bottles because we skipped that. But you want to have more than supermarket. And you want to have that beer that... that it's like, oh, I didn't find it somewhere else. Or, or cool, you you told me about this beer, and that's something I like. So that's really hard to. You want to be able to give them like a okay, I gave you a a, a Schenkela. Yeah. You liked that. I can yeah. give you one step further. Yeah, or it's more an experience. Like like uh, buying beer should be an experience instead of uh, filling up your basket. Yeah. Because filling up your basket, you can do at the Albert Heijn and you can find a decent IPA nowadays at the Albert Heijn. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go for something, what do you like about the IPA? Do you like the 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 the, the um, fruitiness? Do you like the the bitterness? Because if you like the bitterness, then we can go a whole other direction yeah, than IPA. But if you go directions. to the Albert Heijn, you won't know what you like about IPA. You only know that I like... Uh, Brewdog a bottle IPA. that says IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, and if you if you come to the store, and especially if you got time for you, then I would love to walk around the store with you. Yeah. And talk, okay. So you you said you like the bitterness. So have you ever had XX bitter from Belgium, which is a really old beer, and it's it's bitter, but it's also tastes totally different than mm. than an IPA. But if the bitterness is what you like, you're mm. not searching for an IPA. Mm. You can take an IPA, but. Mm. And that that's a really weird. <clears throat> that's really weird to to, to um, 
keep every customer happy. Yeah. So about those customers, are there still guys that come in that already visited in the 80s and yes. then they yeah, they're still there? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And they're still there. Uh, yeah. nice. Absolutely. Actually, and, we, and and do they uh, go for the same beer all the time, or do they also still try new things? Mm, or? They have their now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, uh, I got a lot of customers. I know they're old when they're asking about the Spruitjesboer, which is a Bellsprout farmer who was next door. And when they start talking about the Bellsprout, then most of the time they I always got. Uh, uh, some X beer and then okay we don't have that anymore because it's probably out of production or it's <laughs> just undrinkable something like that and then okay but then maybe tell me something because is, is Jos still the owner <coughs> by the way is Jos still yeah Jos is still the owner yeah um, but maybe you like something like that and then you actually see customers coming back because that's that's the, the it's it's the same old story if you go to a shop you want to get that experience instead yeah. of buying beer and of course they walked in for uh let's say block beer yeah but they will also always buy the beer you advise yeah because they yeah. trust your advice yeah i guess there's a huge compliment if they come in the store again yeah. i guess yeah. yeah it is yeah yeah, yeah. I, have, I have one more question about these these categories of customers i find mm -hmm. it really interesting oh. um because it it uh you also s say that there was um uh a bit you, you wanted to create a shock effect and and uh surprise people by your selection and and the, and the, the stuff you you put on the shelves but at some point there was also maybe people really going there and and something like whether they're tourists and more like beer tourists uh that really sort of know what they expect and know well. and, and asking for more things maybe than you could offer do you know did you did you find this happening or, or can you pinpoint a moment when that sort of changed that people were more asking for things than you offering uh, certain things yeah actually I've never I never listened to my customers <laughs> that way <laughs> <laughs> you learned from it you, you, you I learned about uh, the taste yeah. and and yes oh yeah but yeah I guess that changed later on where you're not in the shop anymore yeah, yeah so I decided what beer I was going to sell. Yeah, but you didn't see a change. And I'm also maybe thinking a bit about, um, mm -hmm. so the the Gollum was there yes. around the corner, basically. Then you started. And then Wildermann, Arendsnes, Beer Temple, this... Yes, <laughs> this, 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 <laughs> uh, Indeed. Uh, the, this, uh, this area in the city center where people refer to uh, as the Golden Triangle. Did you, uh, did that change the type of customers that came in? I guess there was a bit of a domino it, effect it, of uh, beer drinkers. It helped. Yeah, yeah it helped. But yeah. you didn't see different people and, and, coming and in. It helped and it helps the wholesales, yeah. probably. So they, the wholesales, they, they, they became bigger. You got maybe more, yeah, more beery customers. As in, it was yeah. not only the squatters, but more beer people as well. Demand went up, yeah, essentially. Went yeah, up, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but not necessarily a different type of customers that came in because of that. They were created, I guess. By yeah, the golden nowadays we have, uh, yeah, the, the the customer changed this this uh, this old man thing from before that's gone. In that time, even the Wildeman, which started uh, somewhere later than somewhere, I don't know, uh, later in the eighties. So I'm not sure anymore. Uh, written down somewhere, uh -huh. but. Getting old. Yeah, it was uh, also anniversary year for them. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. that was full with old men. 
mm. well with men yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, for you yeah. back then and that yeah. totally Just changed <laughs> yeah uh, and yeah our customers changed oh yeah happily many many young people again but i guess there was a point when people were coming in and asking for more beer instead of you're the beer coning so what should i get and that's interesting i guess that's i wasn't there yet but i guess somewhere around 10 15 years ago because then you got some competition and people from all over the country are well the, the beer was rising in the netherlands and then with rising of interest in beer came question about beer and uh, beer from the states probably it has to do with red beer as well because people know about beers that mm. being rated across the ocean and uh, uh with being a beer shop in amsterdam you're probably getting a lot of we're, we're probably the only beer shop in the lands that uh good hands on could get their hands on really extreme whales back in the days and that's probably how you get through planning the elder for example which was really really rare back in the days or uh well let's say something like uh uh, Bourbon County, for example, that was really, really hard to get as well. And nowadays it's easy to get because they do export and uh, they actually are owned by uh, InBev, of course. But those were the beers that people were asking for. And maybe you know a pilot that can get it because he lives in that area. And now <laughs> it's it's all available. And it's the, the, the whale hunting, how they called it, probably not. Is that the term? Wales. International, yeah. yeah Wales, yeah. bro. Yeah, the Moby Dicking, yeah. Whoa, no way. <laughs> yeah. Whale hunting for beer, yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, but that that's not really a thing anymore because everything is being shipped worldwide. And yeah, even the other half, you should drink fresh in three days beer, are yeah. getting in and are on the pleasers as well. Then um, we probably need to go to the third beer, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, Jos, would you like to introduce the third beer uh, you've brought on the table today while Kevin uh, opens it up? Yeah. That, uh, um, why did I bring this beer? Um, the beer we're going to drink is a Jope Bok beer from what year, Kevin? 2002. 2002. Yeah, these guys are warmed up now. There's a bit of back and forth going on. It's, yeah. uh, it's going well. <laughs> Why? Actually, I wanted to... Uh, Jopen came into my mind because this was this adventure of the beer coining, having a second shop in Harlem. Okay. And City of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not, not going to talk a lot about this. It, it was this opportunity to take over... Uh, a, a little beer shop in the Gierstraat in Haarlem. And uh, one of the guys working there was Michel, Michel Orderman from, well, the owner of Jopen. Um, uh, <laughs> and he was already busy with plans for a brewery. Um, but I was thinking about Jopen and the way they did it, because um, they didn't have an own brewery. That's promising. He he <laughs> first wanted to do the the whole market thing, so he brewed at this Proofbrouwerij and other places for I years see. and years, and then then the marketing was okay. He had a market mar, uh, market a market for it, and then finding a brewery with which took a long, long time. And now, well, he got a beautiful place, of course, this, this church 
in Harlem, um, great. It, it, it was just a little, uh, I, I, this, uh, this little beer shop was good, it was good enough, and it, uh, Maybe, to interrupt you, it, we, it, it we, didn't bring me any extra money. We should drink some beer now, and, because it's going to oxidate really quickly, um, I guess. Because it was not good for the shop in Amsterdam, having that shop. Because actually, I'm quite lazy, so I had to work <laughs> too, too hard. <laughs> so I, I decided to get rid of it, and I sold it. And the guy who bought it from me didn't pay me all the money. He had to pay me, and he made a mess of it, and it died. So it's now to Melchers. Okay. <laughs> to uh, to do the beer. But did you... Yeah, when? And how, how long did you have the shop then? Two years or something. Okay. yeah. Oh, is this still drinkable? Well, it's really, <laughs> I was weird, just about really, to say, really, really weird. I was going to make the comment, and, and I think this is the first Bock beer we've had on the show, but maybe it's not Could even... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a Jopen Viergrane Bock beer from 2002. And it's tasting a bit... Well, it's 6.5%. I have no idea how this beer was kept. Well... This is a bit... Um, not yeah, sure. This is... I think, mm. uh, yeah, somehow. Oh, interesting taste. Uh, oh, it still yeah. has a bit of licorice. Yeah. Like an, uh, yeah. yeah, but it's really... On the smell, no, there's no... It's, it's dusty as well. Really, yeah. really dusty. Really dusty on the nose. It's like, yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, and really sherry. And but on the taste, I get a bit yeah. of licorice still. Yeah, it's so still, still licorice, got some, yeah. uh, uh, still got some buck notes to it. It's a bit of the opposite compared to the yeah, high, exactly. where the aroma was really strong. Yeah. Um, but I think I really liked how that developed. It's it's not it's nothing like a triple or so, but <laughs> uh, I also got some peaty notes in the end. And, and maybe this, one, yeah. this actually needs some time also to develop. <laughs> and, uh, do, do we give it another I'm 15 not, years? I'm, 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 no, I'm not sure <laughs> either, but I think the nose is a bit uh, Well, if you, if you stop really, if you just take Dusty a sip, it's summer. not that bad. No. No, no, I agree. That's I agree. Still, yeah. It's still Musty. drinkable, but we're we're. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, well, the, the, so it's actually a short story about this Jope. Um But that's why we brought it, or just brought it, because, um, like, it's I guess the biggest independent. It was your idea actually to bring it to the, to bring. Well, the I bog. knew it was in the in the why? yeah. Well, because of the story, uh, it's it's the biggest independent. No, well, it's the biggest independent craft beer brewery in the Netherlands, I guess. Yeah, and also the way they the the way Michel started this up, what what happened mm. a lot later on, is this uh, mm. not having a brewery, but already have the beer in the market. Yeah, mm. yeah um, and he pioneered in that. But it was absolutely. a bit of uh, it was supposed to be this one-time project right uh Jope, well, didn't Jope it start Kope. yeah no nah, yeah exactly <laughs> no nah, but uh didn't it start with a beer to celebrate uh harlem's brewing tradition yeah, and just once and then okay let's keep on doing this and then more and more and yeah i'm not sure because this yelp it was already there fast oh yeah going back into the uh, the time that uh, hop was not there, trying yeah. to make a beer mm -hmm. without hops, which was no, impossible, he, of course. Yeah, he was always very focused on the Harlem's brewing Absolutely. tradition yeah, yeah, and yeah, the history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Where also the name is derived from. This is actually yeah. kept quite well uh, because it was in the basement for all these years. Uh, of the shop. Yeah. Well, it I didn't went sour or whatever. Yeah. There is mm. no... Uh, no, but uh, you were thinking how, how was it kept, but it was kept quite well. Oh, it was kept well. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
Uh, Jan put it away, I guess. <laughs> what is the alcohol? When he was a baby. When he was a baby. 6.5, yeah, it's a bit, yeah. That's fun, because when now, when, you, when you're cleaning up the shop, like mm. uh, a few weeks ago, we did the counting, the animal counting, and then um, you, you pull out a crate from a corner somewhere and you find <laughs> some bears behind there like what is this <laughs> yeah what, what is it why is it there and yeah yeah so and then you drink and then most of the time it's shit but yeah sometimes it's it's cool like a 2002 you open bulk beer now yeah. i want to move kind of forward a little bit because i feel like we've talked about the the history and expiration that was 2002 by the way so oh yeah just just so we know <laughs> It's okay. even all now. We we'll talk about, uh, uh, but it's like we did. We did history. We've done a little bit of now, and then mm. looking at the future a little bit. Before we get into that, I wanted to know if um, there are any like landmark moments uh, that you can think over the thirty-six years, Yoss, that really stick out. There's like a, a certain particular moment in the life of the beer coning that sticks in your head. Obviously, if you're looking at notes, maybe there's not. A, <laughs> not, not really yeah. a, key, a key idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, one one big change was when I stopped selling the crates of Dutch lager. Uh, imagine Heineken style crates, yeah. supermarket crates. But uh, I never sold Heineken. And uh, but what I did sell was um, Leo Budel, Lindeboom, Gulpener, and I stopped doing that. Because I needed the space. Okay, I, that's I, big, I, a big I, statement then, yeah. So and, and so no crates of of piles of uh, lager. Yeah. Uh, Dutch spills anymore. I think that was a, quite a change. Yeah, I guess there's a big uh, uh, switch because that'll be a good revenue, I guess. People coming in for the for the big crates, and then yeah, you just I guess you had to make room for more unique beers, I guess. Yeah, 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 uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, there was this Albert Heijn starting up at the opposite uh, of the. Of the yeah. <laughs> and what? And how was that? How was that kind of change? Was it? Uh, did uh, you think uh, a month later, shit, I shouldn't have done what, that, what, or was it like you, best what, thing I've done ever? Yeah, that didn't doesn't matter. What can you make on a crate of lager? You know, I'm. I had to buy it already for more than it was sold in the supermarket. Uh. So, and then still I could make one gulden vijftig on it. Yeah. And, and, I, and then I was expensive. Mm-hmm. But, but no though. other uh, highlights or uh, disasters? Well, you changed the shop. You, oh, yeah. you really, yeah. So the highlights, so, so what are a few moments? So you, when I you spent a, a hundred and more than a hundred thousand uh, gulden one <laughs> one day on a shopping tour. I had to. I got it from the bank and I paid it off for years to change the shop into a beer shop. Uh, so that, that, that's already some time ago. Really old, dusty old uh, newspaper building into a shop. So mm-hmm. the way it looks now, that that's when was that? Yeah, it looks like a dusty old beer shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now you got a, a decent ceiling and, and oh, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So that that was, I guess, the beginning of a real shop. And then you got the big change of not selling whole crates, but going for loose bottles. Yeah. Except for some crates, of course. But it's not like if you come in at our shop, it's not like we got everything in crates. Mm-hmm. 
in the basement because the basement is uh, really, really small. Do you now look towards people like uh, Kevin to try and stay on top of the game beer-wise for the for the beer shop? Is is that where the future holds of the beer coning and in, in people like Kevin? I'm 65 years old and yeah. um, I only got one life. Yeah. And, well, more than 35 years, well, probably 38 years or something like that, I'm already involved with this beer thing. Yeah, this beer thing that we call, that we <laughs> yeah, call well, life. That didn't sound nice, huh? Yeah, yeah. I still, no, I well, still love beers. And, and, yeah, I, was, I will always love beer, but well, somehow I made my point, you know, and... Mm. Uh, 35 years long um, getting this pills drinker into drinking a special beer and it's still it, it, this is still something to do still an ongoing battle yeah because there's still go to the east of the country and this village they, they all drink Hertogian, the other one they all drink Grols and the other they all drink Amstel and it's still those supermarket crates, it's all mm-hmm. they drink. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Does it annoy you that? <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's Yeah, yeah. There's still a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I agree. I um agree. so come to the beer coning. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good, good. We are there for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will do. I'll yeah, do. just to I'll say, we will cap it off uh, there. Um, there are a million more questions we yeah. could ask. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like with uh, other guests that we've had on, we'll I do a little part two. Yeah. But thank you, Jos. Thank yeah. you, Thanks Kevin. for the thank beers. You, thank, thank you, guys. really something special. Yeah, yeah thank good. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast, the podcast where we explore the culture of beer. Brought to you by Oedipus Brewing, and I'm your host, Danny Walker. On today's show, I was joined by Sander Nedervain, co-founder and head brewer of Oedipus Brewing, Jos van Nela, the owner and founder of De Beer Koning, and also Kevin Uthart, the manager of De Beer Koning. You can find more information about De Beer Koning and show them some support by buying some beer from their web shop by heading to debeerkoning.nl. Remember, you can find all episodes of the show on our website too, which is audipus.com forward slash radio, and by searching Radio Audipus on your podcast app. If you use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure to like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music used on today's show is written and composed by Ola I Music, and tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer. 